when you have big ideas and big goals and big accomplishments to make come true, big dreams, you have to see things differently. Sometimes seeing things differently is a hurdle in and of itself. When you have to do things different because you see things different, that brings on a whole new level of grit. And that's what we're going to talk about next with Fred Bull. This is a dash of grit. Recipes for success from courageous leaders who overcome challenges and build great things. Now, podcasting from Spire to leaders in local communities like yours. Here is Brian Leflock. And let's get cooking. So a lot of times when you're building something, something that's already been built, something that needs to be built, someone moves in and says, okay, I can take this over. And they have no idea what's in front of them, what's in store, what the challenges might be, what has to happen to actually move things in and, uh, and be successful with it. And that's what today's story, I think, is all about. Taking something that exists, but turning it into something so much bigger and better and brighter for, uh, for people, for the community, and, and for all of us in, in this world. So I'm excited today to introduce to you an old friend of mine. Not that you're old, Fred. We're both old. We've known each other a long time. <laughs> That's what I was trying to say. We've known each other for a long time, and I'm excited. I, he's one of my favorite people in the world. He's Fred Bull. He's the executive director of Little Buckeye Children's Museum. He's also part of the overall concept of bringing something called Imagination District to Mansfield, Ohio. Fred and I have known each other for years, but I'm I, not so much so with Little Buckeyes Children's Museum. So I'm really excited to learn more about what you're doing there, the over the challenges you've had to overcome along the way and what the future looks like. I know since you're involved, the future looks bright for kids <laughs> and that makes all the difference in the world. So Fred, welcome to the show. Welcome to Dash of Grit. Thank you very much for having me on. I'm excited. I'm excited to have you on. I, uh, I'm interested in how things are going. Tell me something. Uh, you've overcome a lot to get where you are, but where is that? What's going well? For Little Buckeye Children's Museum? Um, we're growing. We're expanding. Um, Little Buckeye Children's Museum is a small children's museum here in Mansfield, Ohio. I came here about eight years ago. It existed for about two years before I came on as executive director. Um, and Trick quickly saw the growth potential in it. Um, before COVID hit, we were averaging 70 to 75,000 attendees. Wow. Um, to our little children museum here in Mansfield, Ohio, we had made inroads into Cleveland, Columbus, Worcester, Medina markets, um, and there was a lot of growth potential. We had a big conversation with our board about: Do we stay this small children museum, or do we grow? And why would we make that choice? And that choice was about the goal of the children museum is to impact families and children through the power of play. So we either can do that as a small organization or we can do that as a big organization. And the board chose to say, hey, we need to grow to maximize that impact. So that's how the whole craziness of moving got started. And I think it's really cool that there's there's COSI down in Columbus. There's the Great Lakes Science Museum up in Cleveland. There's all kinds of other attractions and aquariums and all of the things all across the, the country that, that strive for uh, visitation. But here you are in Mansfield little video of Mansfield along the highway, along between Cleveland and Columbus saying, no, we can play too. And yep. I just, I, I congratulate you and the board for saying, no, our, our kids need something. The, the region needs something different and, and we can provide that. That just takes a lot of vision. And I, I applaud you for that. Yeah. Well, thank you. And we're different in a lot of way from COSI and Great Lakes and those places. 
You go to Coastside, their goal is to teach your child something. They're going to teach your child this philosophy of flight, how electricity works. They design their exhibits that if you push button A, Y happens. And every time you push A, you get the same results. Mm-hmm. Our museum is based on play and imagination. So we want to provide the stuff, let children come and play and use their imagination, learn how to think creatively, use imagination, problem solve, communicate, get along with others. I think I just described the next employee you want to hire. Yes, that sounds right. <laughs> And so that's probably the next uh, little bit of grit for you. Maybe we'll talk about that as far as getting uh, employees and getting things to move forward. But let's let's go ahead and talk about that. You're building something new and something fresh and something, well, imagine imaginative. You're kind of yep. building it from scratch very creatively. And you're relying on the old adage from the movies, if you build it, they will come. Let's talk about the hurdles you've had to overcome between the time you started there and now. And, and what major obstacles got in the way and how'd you overcome those? So uh, the first challenge we faced was the board decided, oh, yes, we want to grow. And it was like, okay, where do we want to grow and how do we want to grow to maximize our community impact? So we actually passed on two locations that were offered to us in outside the city of Mansfield. Hmm. Um, We declined the donation of two pieces of property uh, because the board wanted to stay in downtown Mansfield and impact the community of downtown Mansfield. Um, so we decided to stay there. And so we had to raise money. We had to raise um, $4.5 million in a capital campaign wow. um, to grow. Previously, the most museum had ever raised was about $200,000. So it was a huge leap from 200000 oh, wow. to $4.5 million. Okay. Um, and so we chose to do that in a collaborative effort in a partnership with the Renaissance Theater. Um, and we did a co-campaign. So. Myself and Mike Miller, for the executive director, CEO of Renaissance, went out together and asked for donations. Mm-hmm. Those donations went to the foundation, and then they were redistributed. So we had one person that one entity you made a donation to. Um, that method had never been used in our county before. Um, that method had never been used in the state of Ohio that we could find. Wow. So our we hired a professional consultant. And it was unique because two nonprofits usually don't work together on a capital campaign. And then after the campaign's over are still nonprofits. Usually one eats the other. Um, That didn't happen. So it was a very unique system. It took us a long time to get that put together. Um, So there was a lot of challenges in um, convincing people that we could do it. Mm-hmm. And, and I'm wondering the people that you have to convince, because I've been involved in a couple of different capital type campaigns and fundraising, and there's always a list. There's always people who gave before and who believe in your mission and things of that sort. You're going from the most you've ever raised being $200,000 to needing 4.5. You can't just go and ask for a little extra, right? How, no. how, do, you, how do you do that to even give yourself a chance at success? So we had to start with the two boards of the Renaissance and Little Buckeye and convince them. Um, then we worked on like the county foundation, the chamber, um, convinced them that we could do it. Um, and then we reached out, we did a feasibility study. It was a, about a four and a half year process okay. of meeting with lots of people laying out. This is basically, we made a business plan. We came at it from a different than just a nonprofit standard, um, we looked at it as a business plan. And we so we went to business people to ask them for money. We laid it out. 
this is how it's going to work. This is the investment. This is the return on investment. This is where the attendance will come from. We did all the statistical studies through the census mm-hmm. to make sure it would work. And uh, so that's how we approached it very differently than a typical capital campaign. And a lot of, and I'm, I'm interested in, in the results, but I'm also interested in, in more hurdles because, you know, in a business plan, you don't suggest, I don't even, I didn't do the math, 8,000% growth. <laughs> if, if you went from 200,000, and I know it's a capital campaign, but if you went from 200,000, you suggest 10% or something of that sort. Now, where was the pushback when it went from, we're, we're small, we want to be big and we want to be that big. Did people try to tell you, no, it can never work here? Um, yeah, we had some very interesting conversations. <laughs> I, <bet>. um, <laughs> I had, I had people that came to me and said, no, you can't move. Just flat out told me, said, you are not allowed to move. You have to stay where you're at. I'm like, okay. okay that's one opinion. <laughs> and some of those people were very interesting people with a lot of influence. Um, I had someone that insisted that I move across the street from where I'm at right now on fourth street. That only I was only allowed to move across the street to the old to the present Richland Academy building. I was like, someone's occupying that building right now. Yeah. I don't think they're gonna sell it, but he was convinced and he happened to be on the board at the Richland County Foundation. Okay. So he had a lot of influence. Um yeah, we we had it's very interesting the opinions I ran into. Yeah. Um, the people that were like, no, you can't do it. And like, they've just told me, no, you can't move. I'm like, uh. I don't think you have a choice. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I don't think you have a choice in this. Yes, you have lots of money. Yes, you have influence. But I think there's enough other people in the community that disagree with your perspective. And so we proceeded. So it was interesting. It, Like I said, it was a four and a half year process of getting through it. Uh, just getting the, both the boards to agree on an MOU was a real challenge. It took almost two years of that process. Um because there was trust issues, there was willing to give up um, information and share funders. A lot of nonprofits become very greedy, like, this is my funder, this is the person who gives me money. Yeah. And it's like, no, they give money to everybody. They're not yours. You can't keep them in a box and take them out when you want. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And so you're knocking down walls along the way and doing things your own way, like you said, a way that's never been done before. And so uh, I'm, 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 I'm holding the carrot of how we did, but I, I'm interested too in along the way, four and a half years is a long time of trying to rebuild something and change people's minds and overcome objections. And were there some times of doubt along the way that you said, holy cow, I've bitten off more than I can chew here? Um, there were some times along the way of never never had the point of where it's not going to happen. Right. It just wasn't going to happen the way we thought it was originally. Um, there was a couple meetings at times where it was, okay, we either have to agree on this point, trying to come up with collaboration for the Renaissance, agree on this point, or we have to walk away and find another partner. Because hmm. we can't agree. We have to move past it. We had um, one particular person um, who was on the Renaissance board um, threw up absolute roadblocks, mm-hmm. absolute roadblocks. The point of, he says, if you guys agree to do that with little Buckeye, I'm going to quit. And he ended up having to quit the board. Um, but he did everything he could to, to stonewall us. Um, 
but that was more, that was Mike's challenge to work through. Cause that was Mike's board member. Yeah. Um, for, for me, it was more of making sure my board never gave up because they were seeing it from behind and they were like, Fred, can you really do this? And, yeah. And we believe you, but we believe you, but, <laughs> but can you really make it happen? Yeah. <laughs> and it was the matter of, yeah, we're going to make it happen. Um, and just trying to buy our building that were purchased up on Park Avenue, the it was agreed that they would sell it to us. Yeah. And then we went to purchase it, and we found out that the person who agreed to us was the son. Well, actually, it was owned by his mother. Oh boy. And him and his sister were in a lawsuit about the family finances. So it went to a, a conservatorship. A lawyer was in charge of it. And it took me a year and a half to get the lawyer to agree to sell me the building because of this conservatorship. It was just nuts. I ended up having to go talk to a lawyer, a judge in Ashland about the building and get the building transferred. That was a whole, at that point, that was the one point where I thought, well, maybe this isn't going to happen for this building. Yeah. And, and, and that sounds like a pain in the butt. Like all you wanted to do was build this thing, this wonderful thing. And all these hurdles come in at, at, at some point were any of those doors just like not worth banging open or, or maybe a better way to ask the question is what kept you going through all of this, uh, this trial? Um, so in my whole life, I've always had to have a long view of struggle um, I was one of the first children in the state of Ohio to have an IEP. Okay. I have severe dyslexia. Um, so getting through school, graduating high school, graduating college, I always had the very long view because my dyslexia is very severe. I know this is my left hand because my wedding rings on it. I have to look at it all the time. If you mm -hmm. ask me left and right, this is my left hand. Uh, to type, I use a um, something called Dragon Speak, which is a voice-to-text computer program I use. Really? Because um, just asking me to type something is just nuts. Not going to happen. Just doesn't work. Um, and spelling is not worst speller in the world. I read through content. Uh, if you give me flashcards of single words, I can't tell you what the word says. But you put it in a sentence and let me read it in a paragraph, I can tell you what the words are. I can read through content. Wow. So, so you've been overcoming this ever since you were a kid. Yeah. So it's always been a struggle for me. Any goal I want to huh. get accomplished, graduate high school, graduate college. I played college football. That was fun. Yeah. That was, that was fun. That wasn't much of a struggle. So I didn't have to read to play college football. Yeah. Um, but getting through things, I've always been told, no, you can't do that. No, you will never graduate college. No, you'll never graduate high school. Um, so for me, it's always been, how do you adapt and overcome? There's, there's things you have to do and you have to do them. I still got to do them. I still have to write letters. I still have to send out emails and trans and correspond with people and everything. So during the whole process of moving the museum, to me, it was always, how do I overcome? Some things more frustrating than others. Um, I get real frustrated when people are just being mean and just like trying to purposely get in your way. I'm like, why are you doing that? Just get out of the way because you're just being mean. Um, 
So it's always a challenge of how do we do it? How do we get from point A to point B? Um, we're going to get there. Yeah, It's not the way we thought, but we'll get there. Huh. Why did they think you were mean? What? Why did they think you were being mean? Um, because you have a different way of doing things? Is that it? Yeah. Sometimes wow. people are just like, Wow. Well, that's not how it's normally done. Well, yeah. who cares? Yeah. <laughs> we can get there in a different way. There's lots of ways to do everything. There's lots of ways to bake a cake. You don't Fantastic. have to do it that way. We can do it this way or we can do it this way. We'll get there. Um, sometimes just because you just won't take no for an answer. Yeah, and you had to learn that. You had to learn not to take no. That, that you, Look, Fred, this doesn't work this way for you. How are you going to do it? And you had to figure it out. And yeah. that's what you're doing now. And, and to your credit, Fred, I mentioned earlier in the show that I've known you for what feels like forever. I never knew that. Oh, well, I, did, I don't tell everybody that. It's not something I share with everybody unless it's you relative. Tell. I mean, you, you, you are a very successful, a, a very accomplished person and, and uh, good for you for, and now I, now I have an even better understanding of why this book, I, this, this museum is so important to you. I mean, because you even said it, I'll, I'll say it again. In these other museums, they teach you that one plus one equals two and push this button so that that will happen. That's not the yep. way it works for you, is it, Fred? No. <laughs> Phenomenal. So let me tell me about the fundraising now. So you never gave up. You wouldn't give up. You kept the board on track. You kept rolling. Did we make it? Yeah. We Did actually it? ended up raising like $6.9 million in the end. Wow. Um, so we raised above our goal, which is fantastic. We found many donors who appreciate appreciated the effort of two nonprofits working together yep. and collaborating to create something new. And I mean, the buildings we took over had been empty for almost 20 years in downtown Mansfield. It's a place that was on the decline of that area of town and that we're willing to put the effort in to, one, bring economic impact to our community um, and to change the direction of the entire county by bringing in something that will change the future. If our projections come out correct, We'll bring over $250,000, $250,000 people, people a year to the museum once we're in full operation. So a quarter million people driving to Richland County every year to go to the Little Buckeye Children's Museum will change the projection of our community yeah. through economic impact. Um, and we found people who appreciated that story, believed in it, and made those contributions. Congratulations. And I'm excited that, that you've done that. I, uh, I'm interested in how that all happened while COVID was going around <laughs> Muse museums and theaters. And I mean, that was, that wasn't easy. So talk to me a little bit about that. So that, that's now I'm in the really hard part of this. Holy whole cow. The other part wasn't the raising the 6 million wasn't hard. This is the hard part. Okay. Strap now we're in. in the hard part. Strap in. Don't ever build a children's <laughs> museum during a pandemic. Just, that's number my advice. One. <laughs> if I had a choice, I would start over and not build a children's museum during a pandemic. It's hard. Um, we yeah. were under construction on March 13th when the state shut down. Yep. They shut us down. We weren't able to start construction again until um, November of 2020, mm -hmm. November, December. 
When we went to restart, all our contractors were like, oh, no, 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 the bids are no good. All those bids we gave you, the plan we had, not good. We're re- revoking our bids. We need to rebid everything. Oh, boy. Um, and as everybody knows, you can't get anything during a pandemic. Ordering supplies, ordering materials just takes forever. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we have had a $736,000 increase in cost just due to labor and material costs. For the museum. Yep. You didn't budget for $736,000 increase in costs and just trying to order anything. I ordered, like I ordered a playground, like we're putting a big outside playground in our lobby. It's a huge place to play. I ordered it. Um, they said 16 weeks for delivery. That's great. I called two weeks ago to say, Hey, how's that playground coming? And so it's coming in two weeks. They go, Oh, no one called you back, Mr. Bowl. Oh, no. It's another 12 weeks. Uh, and how much more money? Um, no price increase on that. But just not, did, no product. <laughs> yeah, we did order like tables and chairs. And between the time we ordered them and the time they were delivered, there was two mandatory price increases. They said, yes, we know that was the region quote, but because of this, we have to increase the cost. If you don't want it, tell us now, you can cancel, but... If you want it, it's going to cost you this much more. Yep. Happened twice during that order existing. And we would have canceled it, but no one else had it to sell to us. Yeah. No one else could get it to us. We're all stuck. So we're all stuck. And part of the challenges for us building the Chili Museum is we want to have true economic impact on our community. So our goal is to spend all the money raised in Richland County in Richland County with Richland County contractors. Okay. So we're taking people who have never built exhibits before and turning them into exhibit builders. It's been an interesting process. I love how <laughs> you're just so good at doing things that have never been done before. <laughs> Welcome. You got to do well something done. to keep yourself entertained. So what's the what's next then? We're still in the middle of this, which oh, we yeah. all hoped it would be over with. And it's just not. It's hanging on. You're still building. What's, what's the next level of grit that you're going to have to show to bring this thing home? So here's the, the big challenge is for the museum right now is we want to open in 2022. We need to open in 2022. I need to raise more money to fill that gap of $736,000 in increased pricing. Mm-hmm. Is the museum then going to get any cheaper? Nope. It got more expensive. We're going to do what we said we we're going to do. It's important we accomplish what we said we we're going to do. We need to build the things we said we we're going to build. But there's that gap. I got to fill that gap. Yeah. And it's still hard to go and talk to people about sponsorships right now because everybody else has experienced the same issues with COVID and the pandemic. Like, do I have money to spend on a sponsorship? How can we build it? How can we change our plans? We're going to have to open the museum in 2022, but what percentage of build out will I have? Will I be 70% of all the exhibits built? Will I be 80% of the exhibits built? Um, And then the the big challenge is, can we meet our projected attendance numbers? Are people going to come during a pandemic? Mm -hmm. Um, We'll get there. We'll get it done. It's just, um, I got a lot of challenges right now. I think I've had more, I got more challenges now than I've had any other time in this process. Yeah. Which means we're getting close, right? Isn't that the way it works? When you're getting close to something that you're trying to accomplish, 
whoever the evil one is keeps throwing it at you. Right. Yeah. yeah. And so don't ever stop. You're, if anyone's going to get it done, it's going to be you. Yeah. And I keep telling my board and my staff, I said, we'll get there. We will get there. It won't be what we thought it was going to be, but it'll be something. It'll be different. It'll be successful. It'll serve our needs of our community. It'll make living here a better place. And, and that's the goal. If there, if there are people out there that want to talk to you about this, want to talk to you about what you've been able to do and accomplish, maybe they're in a city, they want to do something similar. They want to help. Perhaps they want to see it offer either financial or some other type of help. How would they reach out to you and get a hold of you? Um, they can contact me at Little Buckeye Children's Museum through f.boll, f.boll at littlebuckeye.org. And I hope people will. Fred is a good guy, folks. And so if you trust me at all, you can trust Fred. And I'm telling you right now, if you give him a call, he'll, he won't steer you wrong. The Dash of Grit podcast is brought to you by Spire. Spire creates results-driven digital marketing and websites that help companies grow. Are you ready to break through the barriers that hold your company back? Take your growth higher with Spire. Learn more at spiread.com. And uh, my name is Brian Lovelock. I'm the director of sales at Spire. I want to thank you, Fred, for never giving up. And I want to, I, I, I'm sitting here listening to you going, I don't know. But I'm thinking if someone is thinking about investing, here's the way, here's the best way I can say this. If you invest in a sure thing, you're probably not going to make a ton of money, right? It's a safe investment. Everything's going to be fine. If you invest in some wild dream, yeah, you know, you might make a ton of money, but it's probably not going to come true. You're kind of the perfect thing in between because you've got big dreams, but man, you're going to bring them home. And I, I think you're the type of person I'd want people to invest in. Thank you very much. We're, we're going to make a change in this world one way or the other. That's my man, Fred Bull, the executive director of the Little Buckeye Children's Museum, part of the Imagination District in Mansfield, Ohio, our guest today on Dash of Grit. Thank you for being a part of the show, Fred. Thank you very much. Folks, this is Dash of Grit. That's an inspiring story of success and overcoming challenges through grit. You'll find a lot more on this website and uh, you can uh, scroll back and find some more friends that we've talked to about overcoming change through grit. Until the next time, stay gritty. We'll see you here on Dash of Grit. This is a Dash of Grit. Recipes for success from courageous leaders who overcome challenges and build great things. 